Peace, everyone. I would like to welcome you to another episode of The Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I'm your host, So L, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. As you understand, this is The Foundation. We are high frequency where we understand incorrect information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. So, you know, we are always executing and applying that correct information correctly here at the foundation. Today's episode is entitled Five Reasons to Go Private Now. Things are getting real, realer than ever, I would say. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the world, in, in the markets, in in a lot of different sectors, you know, it's, it's kind of going crazy. We're going to get into, you know, those five reasons, you know, I say we should go private now, but we, you know, you know how we do. I want to start off by saying all thanks, honors, and praises due to the creator and the ancestors. I want to say big up and shout out to my big brother, Yusuf L, the uncle of the conscious community, high frequency radio network creator, the secure party creditor guru i don't even like that word but come on man what, what else are you going to describe it as that's the man spc university.com make sure you check that out sign up get your secure party creditor status functioning and sort it out so shout out to the brother high frequency radio network i would like to welcome you to check out welcome to the foundation.com make sure you sign up for that email list we are almost finished with the you know the new the new new that ain't came out yet. It's kind of a surprise. Not really. Maybe some people know what's going on. But, you know, sign up for that email list. You know, I got some. So I think people are going to be, you know, happy with, with what we got going on. So sign up for that email list. Exclusive offers and content and notification of events. Make sure you check out that PDF section at welcometothefoundation.com. Get your free learn on. Get all your free stuff. Make sure you get that get that working. As always, check out the education section, Foundation Trust Primer. If you're just getting started, you don't know what's going on. There's all types of trusts. You heard there's over 80 different types of trusts. You're confused. I would just say grab that Trust Primer over, you know, 18 documents handpicked by yours truly. Get you sorted. And then go ahead and get into the Trust Series, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. Beginner to, you know, I would say advanced in that order. And, you know, you know, beyond that, I would say you get into trustee training, shoot me an email, set up a consultation or something, we can get you get you sorted if you are, you know, interested further after you check out that Foundation Trust series and that Foundation Trust Primer. We also have the brother Chris L came through the foundation, hit us with the passport no social part one, self-explanatory as far as I'm concerned, passport no social part two. And we got the Passport No Social Part 3 in the works. I'm actually going to hit the brother up either this evening or tomorrow and check in on how that's going. So, Part 3 is coming, y'all. <clears throat> Excuse me. It happens. You know. You know, uh, no sorries. No sorries at all. But check that out. You know, the education uh, section at WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. Also, you can find the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter at welcometothefoundation.com and, you know, finally, you can book a donation 
I mean, sorry, you can book a donation. Yeah, you can do that if you want to. You can book a consultation and or make a donation all at the same spot. Welcome to the foundation.com. Let's keep it moving. I want to say peace to all the listeners, live listeners, live callers, internet listeners, archive listeners, podcast listeners, MP3 listeners, blog talk listeners. I don't, however you checking out the show. Every time I want to say peace to y'all. Definitely want to say peace to all the trustees in private trustee training here at the foundation doing their dance. We starting a new session. Um, it's a perfect time to get into trustee training right now. Shoot me an email, admin at welcome to the foundation.com. But shout out to the trustees in private trustee training. And, you know, anyone who is investing in their private education, however you do it, in any other manner. Definitely want to say shout out to you and peace to everyone we've done private business with in the private. <laughs> anyone who sent the email, well wishes, a current event, or otherwise added to the foundation. Shout out to the secretary. Thank you. For everything that you do. Real talk, word is bond. But, you know, that's how I want to do it. <clears throat> Let's jump into these current events, you know. I'm not moving fast, I'm just moving expeditiously. CNBC, your credit card debt is about to get a lot more expensive. Period. Consumers are putting more purchases on plastic and paying more for the privilege. Rising prices have caused Amer many Americans to feel suddenly cash-strapped and more dependent on credit cards to make ends meet. After consumers paid off a record $83 billion in credit card debt during the panorama helped by government stimulus checks and fewer opportunities for discretionary purchases, credit card balances are creeping back up amid higher prices for gas, groceries, and housing. Among other necessities, overall credit card balances rose $52 billion in the fourth quarter of 2021 alone. Not to the largest quarterly increase in the 22-year history of the data. That's not good, y'all. Now total card debt is on track to surpass pre-panorama levels and hit an all-time record as soon as this summer, according to Ded Rosman, a senior industry analyst at CreditCards.com, who said, quote, after the Great Recession, it took years for credit card debt to find the bottom and then years again to get back to an all-time high. Everything about... The Pope Pope feels like it's been in fast forward, end quote. At the same time, the Federal Reserve has committed to raising interest rates to tame inflation, which is now running at its fastest pace more, more than 40 years. Since most credit cards have a variable rate, there is a direct connection to the Fed's benchmark. As the federal funds rate rises, the prime rate rises as well, and credit card rates follow suit. Credit card holders see the impact within a billing cycle or two. That means anyone who carries a balance on their credit card will soon have to shell out even more just to cover the interest charges. And the Fed announced, if the Fed announces a 50 basis point hike in May, as expected, consumers with credit card debt will spend an additional $3.3 billion on interest this year alone, according to a new analysis by WalletHub. The average consumer has a credit card balance of $5,525, according to Experian, and pays an annual percentage rate of roughly 16.38%, which is cheap by historic standards, but significantly higher than nearly every other consumer loan. And 16.3% on a credit card is, is look, you, you got great credit and a luxurious zip code and some really dope income to get 16%. That's like... I mean, credit union rates are like 18 or 17 or something. So 
Bottom line is, if 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 you carry imbalances on your credit card, the interest is about to get higher. Right now, <clears throat> if you can, pay off your credit cards. If you carry balances, I suggest you don't. I suggest you use them as debit cards. Two reasons. You get points or miles or something. The other reason is, if there's a fraud or an issue, you know, you're using the credit card company's money and not yours, you know, if let's say someone gets a hold of your credit card number and they do a bunch of charges, it's much more secure to have that happen with a credit card. You can just dispute the charge. The money's not out of your checking account. Whereas if they get a hold of your debit account card number and good luck going back and forth with the bank trying to get them to put the money back in your account. It's gonna take days, sometimes weeks, you got bills to pay, it's a hassle. So those are the two reasons that I Use credit cards. Don't carry balances, though, unless you absolutely have to. And right now is the worst time. CNBC, here's a simple way to see how inflation erodes your long-term savings. And this is the rule of 72. Um, we've spoken about this in trustee training. I think I've said spoken about the rule of tw- uh, 72 in some shows. But it's a way to calculate how quickly investors will double their money at a given interest rate. When applied to an inflation rate, the formula indicates Roughly how long it would take for higher consumer prices to have the value of your money. At the annual inflation rate posted in March, savings would have in about eight and a half years. This is, however, a loose calculation, and there are some caveats. Crazy, huh? The Consumer Price Index key inflation gauge jumped 8.5% in March 2022 from the year earlier, the fastest 12-month increase since December 1981. Applied to the rule of 72 Formula an 8.5% inflation rate halves the value of consumers' money in roughly eight and a half years. 72 divided by 8.5 equals just over 8.47. Quote, the rule works the same whether you're implying an inflation factor, which is essentially deflating the purchasing power of your money, at least to tell the truth right there, or whether you're applying the rule of 72 and growing your money. This is Charlie Fitzgerald III, a certified financial planner and founding member of Moisen Fitzgerald Tamayo in Orlando, Florida. So, and what what it means is ultimately, it halves your savings. Like if you have $100,000 in savings, in eight and a half years, your $100,000 ultimately is only going to purchase $50,000 worth of goods and services. And that's how inflation works. It really devalues the money of your currency. That's why I am adamantly telling people do not hold wealth in currency or currency denominated products, CDs, uh, stocks, all these other things, unless you are like gambling and you have your foundation already laid, you got your savings and all that stuff, man, I I suggest not to do it and hold your wealth in gold and silver, but that's just me. Moving forward, we got CNN business, higher food and energy prices could last four years, the World Bank warns. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has contributed to an historic shock to commodity markets that will keep global prices high through the end of 2024, according to the World Bank. The spike in energy prices over the past two years is the biggest since 1973, when there was an oil crisis. While the jump in food prices is the most since 2008, the World Bank said Tuesday in its Commodity Markets Outlook report, quote, overall, this amounts to the largest commodity shock we've experienced since the 1970s. 
after nearly doubling last year, energy prices are expected to jump more than 50% this year before easing in 2023 and 2024. The World Bank said food prices will soar by 22.9% this year, highlighted by a 40% rise in wheat prices, according to the report. And this is the inflation that I've been talking about for the last couple of years. And, you know, it's going to be significant, it's going to be prolonged, and it's going to hurt a lot of people. Case in point, CNN Business, U.S. home prices rose by nearly 20% year-over-year in February. Prices rose 19.8% year-over-year in February, an even higher rate than 19.2% growth seen in January, according to the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price Index. Phoenix, Tampa, and Miami reported the highest year-over-year gains among the 20 U.S. cities tracked by the index. Phoenix led the way for the 33rd consecutive month, with home prices rising 32.9% from the year before. It was followed by Tampa and Miami, which saw 32.6% and 29.7% gains, respectively. All 20 cities <clears throat> excuse me, reported price increases in the year ending February 2022. In January, 16 cities saw year-over-year growth. Prices were strongest in South and Southeast, but every region continued to show big gains. Quote, U.S. home prices continued to advance at a very rapid pace in February. That level of price growth suggests broad strength in the housing mar- market, which is exactly what we continue to observe. End quote. This is Craig Lazara, Managing Director at S&P Dow Jones Indices. And it's just going to continue. Newsweek, inflation jumps 8.5%. And that's on top of the previous jumps. Gas cost hikes in particular, have left many Americans concerned or frustrated as they feel the effects at the pump and on their wallets. The average price for a gallon of gas is currently $4.10, which has increased 43% compared with a year ago, according to AAA. And, you know, from food to energy prices, we're going to be feeling the heat. CNBC hedge funds attract the biggest inflows in seven years on the back of market volatility. And this is, you know, this is significant as far as I'm concerned. Uh, You know, the volatility in the market is really changing a lot of behavior. And with that changing in behavior, it kind of kind of makes the slope a lot slipperier because as behavior change due to the conditions of the market, that behavior induces more uh unfavorable conditions in the market case in point the hedge fund industry attracted its largest inflows in seven years during the first quarter as investors sought downside protection amidst a volatility spike triggered by fears of inflation and rising rates as well as geopolitical tensions and that's there no there's no longer a movement chasing profits and high margins profits which is not good for the stock market and we're going to continue to see issues with this And all of this is a culminating factor with regards to the currency inflation and all of the stimulus that has been pushed into the economy, economy, excuse me, not only in the last two or three years, but also since, you know, the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. CNN business, a major recession is coming. Deutsche Bank warns. Deutsche Bank raised eyebrows early this month by becoming the first major bank to forecast a U.S. recession. Now it's warning of a deeper downturn caused by the Federal Reserve's quest to knock down stubbornly high inflation. Quote, we will get a major recession. 
end quote. Deutsche Bank economists wrote in a report to clients on Tuesday. The problem, according to the bank, is that while inflation may be peaking, it will take, quote, a long time, end quote, before it gets back down to the Fed's goal of 2%. That suggests the central bank will raise interest rates so aggressively that it hurts the economy. And this is the concern that, you know, as the stock market is on wobbly legs, as all of these prices are inflating from consumer goods to energy prices, the Fed is almost forced to raise interest rates to fight inflation, which is going to destroy the stock market, which is going to, that's that slippery slope I was talking about. I'm moving forward, CNBC, NASDAQ closes flat at its 2022 low as a comeback attempt fails. And we're going to continue to see things like this, U.S. stock traded volatility. I'm sorry, U.S. stock traded volatility today, a day after the NASDAQ composite posted its worst daily loss since 2020, attempting to rebound from a tech-led sell-off in April. And that that tech sell-off is, you know, that's those were the profit-chasing dollars that were in that sector. I'm going to move forward. We got Reuters, U.S. auto sales to fall in April on tight inventories as well as rising rates. And this is going to affect anything that we purchase on credit, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's a line of credit, whether it's a car loan or vehicle loan, no matter what it is, we're going to continue to see these these problems with these interest rate hikes and as well as simultaneously this high inflation. U.S. vehicle sales is expected to fall in April. As low inventories and rising interest rates boost prices amid high demand, consultants J.D. Power and LMC Automotive said. And that's, you know, hey, that's that's what it is. After Netflix reported that its subscribership increases have slowed, Netflix stock lost over, well, around 35%. The company reported yesterday it lost subscribers for the first time in more than a decade. The news shocked Wall Street and sent shares plummeting 35% this morning, wiping out $50 billion in market cap. And this was after the company's stock had dropped more than 40% year to date. Simply put, Netflix terrible 22 has become disastrous. And with that being said, Newsweek, Netflix to make password sharing households pay up for service. So they're going to, you know, expect... They increase prices and start doing cash grabs. You might want to start looking for, you know, another media provider, at least until, you know, they get desperate for customers after driving them all away. After years of letting the common consumer habit slide, Netflix is now looking to crack down on password sharing after a less than stellar earnings report. In its quarterly letter, quarterly letter, wow. Two shareholders, Netflix reported that for the first time in around a decade, it had lost subscribers, roughly 200,000, over the course of the first quarter of 2022. The streaming industry Titan had been projected to add around 2.5 million subscribers in the same time period, and now projects that it will lose around 2 million more in the second quarter, though this might be an effort to keep expectations low. As a result of this news, Netflix stock value value dropped by as much as 25%, so on and so forth. The company currently estimates 30 million households in the U.S. and Canada are using borrowed passwords to access its platform, 
with a further 100 million estimated in every other country where Netflix operates. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings wrote that the company tolerated the common practice as a way to get viewers into the Netflix system, but now, with subscriptions waning, it has to find ways to address the issue. So if you share your password, you know, if they, they're going to track IP address more than likely. So, you know, if your Netflix account is popping up on one more than one IP address, then, uh, yeah, good luck with that. The Cuban Central Bank, Cuba approves cryptocurrency services and requires central bank license. The Cuban Central Bank issued regulations yesterday for virtual asset service providers after giving a nod last year to the personal use of cryptocurrencies, a move some experts said could help the communist-run Caribbean islands skirt stiff U.S. sanctions. And we're going to see this. We're going to see the adoption of cryptocurrency accelerate as the United States you know, uses the SWIFT payment system as a means of sanctioning different countries. Central African Republic adopts Bitcoin as an official currency. The Central African Republic has adopted Bitcoin as an official currency. The presidency said uh, today, Wednesday, becoming the first country in Africa and the only second in the world to do so. And you're going to see this move more and more. So look for that. CNBC, finally, gold prices dip as dollar rises to pandemic high. How is this? How is the stock market down? How is inflation so high? How are prices so high? Uh, we have we have uh, investors running to hedge funds, hedge hedge funds to mitigate downside risk with this stock market, but the dollar is booming. It's crazy. So of course you know inversely gold reacts. The dollar stood at its highest level since the early days of the panorama. It was heading for its best month since 2015, supported by the prospects of aggressive U.S. rate hikes and on safe haven flows fanned by slowing growing, slowing growth in China and Europe. And it's something to pay attention to, you know, regardless of the fluctuations in the value of gold and silver, in my opinion, it is the safest and most stable way to hold wealth and, you know, carry and transfer wealth through generations. So with that being said, that's current events. Appreciate y'all checking out the show. Welcome to the found Dation. Here on High Frequency Radio Network, we're doing a new format, you know, the recorded shows. You know, a lot, a lot of people like the quality. Some people miss the music. I'm working on that. We're going to get that working, you know. Um, I'm just not, you know, we're not going live for a while. We're just taking a break, doing the live dance. But I still love y'all. Today's show is Five Reasons to Go Private Now. So let's jump right into it. We got a lot of things going on in the world. A lot of things, and, you know, I, I feel as though, you know, with things like inflation, um, the, the increase in prices of food and energy, it, it has a lot of people feeling helpless, like there's nothing you can do to combat what's going on within the economy, and that's absolutely wrong. It's wrong. Now, you're not necessarily going to beat inflation. The best time to beat inflation was last year, really, and, you know, if you were smart, you bought a whole bunch of stuff that you were planning to buy last year so you wouldn't have to buy it this year because, man, I'm checking, you know, my Amazon list. You know, it says buy again or whatever. And then I click buy again and just watch, just seeing the increase in prices of the same product is is almost devastating. And, you know, I can understand that. But we need to understand that there are still reasons to keep moving forward. There are still reasons to look to the future and be happy 
and excited. And, you know, of course, you know, there's money and love and there's a lot of different things. But for me personally, and y'all know this, is that, you know, my biggest thing is creating, establishing and creating the private family estate for my family or reestablishing. How about that? Reestablishing my family's private estate and um, working with these private structures in a way to interface them with the public to minimize negative I would say, you know, uh, transpirings, such as, you know, uh, I would, let's start with taxes. Let's start with litigation. So, you know, one of the first things of five reasons to go private now, we're talking about, you know, establishing your private estate with private structures. We're talking about private trust, if you don't know, is protecting the income from, you know, taxes. Now, look, if you have to pay more money for milk and gas and food and all these different things, Netflix now, we would be wise to investigate ways to pay less for other things. And one of the main things that I would consider to pay less of are taxes. Now, taxes are not absolutely required. There is a thing called tax avoidance, which is absolutely legal. And this is setting up your affairs in a manner in which it does not create taxable events or very few taxable events. Now, the only, well, not the only, the easiest way to do that is through private structures. Now, obviously, you can have a nonprofit, but, you know, we're looking to establish a private estate as much as possible in a way that there is no, you know, real state governance, for sure, and, you know, very little limited federal governance, and, you know, that federal governance is really with the, the flow of Federal Reserve notes. That's really the only jurisdiction that they possess because, you know, the trusts are transacting in Federal Reserve notes. So that, that's the main thing. But, you know, there is a such, such a way to structure one's affairs and one's family affairs to where there is no taxes incurred. And as I said, this is tax avoidance. The easiest way to do this, the only way that I know to, you know, really reduce income taxes from 35%, 15%, 22%, whatever your percentage is to, you know, 5%, 3%, sometimes zero, depending on how your private estate is structured. And it's simple. It's simple that the contract is the governing instrument. It's, there's no state statutes or federal statutes that govern these private structures. So within the contract, there can be stiff, uh, specific provisions and regulations with regards to the activity and governance of the trust by the trustees that it is their trustee responsibility according to the contract to administer the trust in such a way that it does not incur tax obligations and some would say well well how do you do that well it takes a trustee that understands how to administer private contractual entities and how to protect its rights and its property and wealth. 
But there are, there, you know, trust contracts explicitly state that the board of trustees are to administer the trust to, in a manner in which it, the trust itself, incurs no taxable obligation. And protecting income, one of the first things you got to do is protect it from taxes. That's one of the first things that hits, hits income is taxes. If you're an employee, well, before you even get your check. There's withholdings for taxes and all the types of, you know, FICA tax and, you know, all these different things. But business through a private structure disallows withholding if done properly. Business through a private structure can disallow taxable events if administered private, uh, privately, right? If administered privately and properly. Absolutely. So, you know, I say the first reason for going private right now is protecting income. We, we automatically, we can look at the news and we can look at the, the prices on the shelves and at the pump and see that we're, pay, we're spending more. It's, it's costing more for the same goods and services. So we have to reduce income. And I would say a lot of the Netflix subscribers that they lost were people who were trying to cut, you know, uh, cut, cut costs in their budget. Like, what can I get rid of? What don't I need? Well, I don't need Netflix. You know, I don't need cable. I don't need my gym membership. Things of that nature. Those are the things that discretionary purchases are the things that go first. And, you know, one of the first things that go is subscriptions. And this, to me, is an indicator of what's, hap- what's happening, where we're going. And this is a way to protect your estate and yourself from what inevitably, inevitably is going to transpire. And, you know, it's going to be an economic issue that develops and becomes obvious and apparent. So that's number one, protecting income. Number two, protecting assets. You know, one of the biggest things is, you know, probate. You die intestate, you know, um, which means there's no will. Uh, And, you know, the state probates the estate. So, you know, there's a a probate uh, attorney or, you know, manager or whoever is appointed and they, you know, subpoena all the records and they pull the social security number and they, 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 you know, pull up any account attached to the social security number, any assets attached to that name. They aggregate all the assets. They determine a value for all the assets, take a probate fee and then distribute the assets to, you know, the heirs, but not without taking their chunk. And typically it's a big chunk. You got death taxes, inheritance taxes. Um, you have probate fees, generation skipping taxes. You know, there's 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 a lot of things that come in to play, which erodes the wealth of the family by every single member who does not have this structure set up every time, no matter what. The the wealth that you've built and aggregated over your over your lifetime. And a lot of times you were paying taxes on the income you received to acquire the assets of the wealth that you built throughout your life. And it's taxed again. It's cut again. Now, when it comes to private contractual entities, that doesn't happen. There's no probate. There's no death tax. The the trust never dies. You know, trustees may resign. New trustees will be appointed and come on and take on the trustee duties as generations of the family cycle. 
But the trust itself, it never dies. So it always holds possessions of the asset. It always will hold possession of the wealth. It doesn't transfer it anywhere. It's the same entity. So there's no type of probate or death tax or inheritance tax. It's nothing like that. It's unnecessary. And that's a major key function of private contractual trust is to protect generational wealth and perpetuate generational wealth. And one of the main ways is you got to keep more money that you make throughout your lifetime and throughout each, you know, payment that you receive for, you know, the exchange of your energy. Uh, Number three, grow your wealth. Five reasons to go private now. You can grow your wealth. Arenas that are non-existent for individuals exist for those who administer trust. Such as uh, life insurance for family banking. You, You can establish the function and structure within your private family estate that allows for a family style bank structure that can finance cars, homes, educations, etc. for beneficiaries of the family estate. Now, if you're going to take out a loan with a credit union and take out a loan with a bank, you're going to charge you interest. You're going to get a mortgage with a bank or, you know, a mortgage lender, they're going to charge you interest. If you get student loans, even if they're federal loans, there's still interest. They may be subsidized, but it's still interest. So everywhere that we're, we're going to get money, we're paying them interest. Well, we can establish the family bank and pay the family interest. Of course, the family bank at times, of course, will be giving preferable interest rates. But there's nowhere you can go to get money without being having friends, without paying interest. So in that same idea, we establish the family bank. And within a certain amount of time, the family no longer needs outside financial institutions to finance the, its purchases, and it's beautiful. And the interest goes to build the family wealth. It's ridiculous. A lot of communities, a lot of different cultures do this. It's just, you know, in America, it's all about singular wealth in the individual. A lot of stars have one name, and there's no last name. It's really, it's really different here. Endowments, financial endowments. A specific arena, you know, you, you, you set up a, a contract with the hospital or university or college to where, you know, your trust or in some cases your family's foundation is going to, you know, basically make a donation to the hospital or university. They turn around, place that into a, a, an account called a private placement account that allows ridiculous amounts of interest 30 percent 20 percent 40 percent and the reason why is because the money's never going anywhere so they can pay that interest because the, the initial deposit is not available they're, they're making interest off the initial deposit and they cut you in on a large chunk of that interest but that's known as an endowment and the interest that they cut the hospital university in is split with the with the trust or the family foundation and that's for life that's you know that's multi-generational i mean how long has harvard been here how long is you know, certain um, hospitals been here. They've been here for multiple generations. And these endowments last forever, essentially. So it's, it's a way to set up income um, to your family forever. And, you know, if you set up an endowment with your family foundation, that's income from investments coming to the foundation that's, you know, tax-free. 
off top. So, you know, I, I highly recommend, you know, looking into things like endowments and private placement accounts and private family banking. Number four, we got privacy. The trust completes a single 1041. It's about three pages, probably about two and a half. The schedules, you know, the K-1, if there's any beneficiary disbursements or something like that. Um, it's, it's very simple. It's almost too simple. It seems like a trick. But the, the, the oversight and the required disclosures that exist for statutory entities such as LLCs, corporations, even individuals, you know, do not exist for private contractual trust. These, these tax returns are private. They're not open to the public. You can't, you can't request or view these, these returns. Um, and it's, it's, it is a privacy aspect. A lot of people don't think about now, of course, the, the, the contract itself, you know, there's, privacy and, and non-disclosure and you know the the business and books of the trust are private and cannot be you know confiscated but the privacy aspect you know maybe you have someone in your family going for city office or something like that or you know you have someone who's wealthy in your family or something like that you don't want people to, to find your name and then search all your assets and show up at your house and try to stalk you because you know a singer or something like that, you know? Um, the privacy aspect is really overlooked when it comes to, you know, private trust administration. And, you know, it's something that I very, 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 very much value is that privacy aspect. And then there's more that I can get into, but, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, think about it. Just think about the aspects of privacy that exist if you're doing business through a private contractual trust that the state has no records on besides... You know, oh, it has a bank account with this bank because we gave this bank a state charter to be a bank, but we have no state records on this entity. The benefits are innumerable, in, in my opinion. And finally, fifth, control. Whether it's taxation, regulation, or governance, you know, going private and administering private structures gives the Board of Trustees a level of control that does not exist in any statutory entity at all, period. From, you know, what is income to what are expenses. That's all governed by the contract. That's that's controlled by the, the contract and the board of trustees. Regulation, there's no state regulation with regards to a, a private contractual trust unless the trust is partaking in commercial activities that are regulated, such as, you know, banking or... Uh, setting up a, a home and there's going to be people who are elderly or special needs or vulnerable, you know, those, you know, there's, that has to be regulated, but outside of uh, a regulated state activity, there's no regulation with regards to the state at all and controlling governance. You know, the contract makes the law of the entity. There's no state regulation that overrules anything within the contract. If the contract says that's what it is, that's what it is. And the, the board of trustees exclusively are tasked and authorized to interpret the contract however they see fit. And no one, I don't care if it's a state attorney, I don't care if it's the president of the United States, no one can interpret that contract in a manner 
otherwise. Period. Now, there's a lot of other benefits. And I'm sure that you can look at previous shows and, you know, really aggregate and gather, you know, all or a lot of the benefits that I um, pontificate. How about that? But one of the things that I do want to say before we get up out of here is most first generation private trustees will not experience the full benefit of the estate as the estates grow over generations. So each subsequent generation is going to have access to more and more wealth and more and more opportunity. And a lot of people realize that and they stop. Well, if I'm not going to receive the benefit, the full benefit, why do it? And I'm going to tell you that's selfish and you should be ashamed of yourself. And those of you who look to establish this and build this for your future generations and, you know, understand the sacrifice that you're making. And that, you know, even though I built this and I set this up and I was instrumental in helping my family get about the gutter, I don't get to, you know, experience the full magnitude of all the benefits. That's, that's, a, that's an issue that some people have. I don't know if it comes from insecurity. I don't know if it comes from whatever, but I'm, I'm sure it comes from some sort of fear-based. And, you know, to put yourself before your children, to put yourself before your grandchildren is abominable. And I feel anybody who has access to this information, anybody who understands this and can pick this up, has an obligation to put in the work necessary to establish their family's private estate. There's a reason why you came into this information. There's a reason why you're listening to this show right now. Everything happens for a reason, whether you understand the reason or not. But I truly know that we are given opportunities within our life to make specific choices. And those choices echo throughout our lives and can echo throughout ages. And I think a lot of us, we just need to stop being selfish, thinking about ourselves. It's not about us. We are not individuals. We are members of a family that goes back so many generations. It starts to get confusing when you think about all of the different people it took for you to get here. And, you know, I I feel like we should really start be giving back, giving back to our family, giving back to that bloodline. And the only way we can give back to that bloodline is to build something something significant, something powerful, something beautiful for those members of the bloodline that will come in the future. So, you know, I would like you to think about that. But I appreciate y'all. I trust y'all enjoyed the show. You know, I trust you learned something. I trust you enjoy the new format. I trust you sign up for the email list so you can keep up to date with what we're doing. We're going through a transition here at the foundation if you can't. If you can't see it, I'm just going to let you know straight up. And I, I think it's, I think it's going to be great. So make sure y'all check out welcometothefoundation.com. Sign up for the email list. Get your free PDFs. Book a consultation. Make a donation. Hey, so really love what you're doing, man. Here's, here's two bucks. I don't care, man. It's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's the thought that count. It's the expression that, that, that I think is beautiful. But, you know, education, uh, tab, Trust Series, Trust Primer, Passport No Social. If you're interested in a consultation or in private trustee training, shoot me an email, admin at welcometothefoundation.com. I am at your service.
And with that being said, this has been The Foundation. Five reasons to go private now. I am your host, so L of The Foundation, here on High Frequency Radio Network, the hottest radio network on the planet. And, you know, it has been a pleasure to rock with you. I'll catch y'all on the next show. Until then, enjoy yourself. Take care of yourself. Make sure you say 10 things that you're thankful for before you go to sleep tonight and every night. It's very important. And I'll catch you next time. Peace.